bitter juice, sweet, lovely Nancy. Ten thousand times a I am bound to cross the ocean wide, all for the love of you. Come change your ring with me, dear girl. Come change your ring with me. That it might be a token of true love while I am bound at sea. And when the storm is rising, see how it gathers on. And we poor souls on the ocean wide, we cannot see the Our ship, she is all tossed about, our rigging is all torn, and we poor souls on the ocean wide, we cannot see the So as a prelude to future podcast about the sea and uh, maybe even a podcast about where the sea meets the land, mm. we're down here on a beach in between two wooden groins, um, hearing waves on the shingle and just as I was down there recording the sound of the waves, I picked up a piece of discarded fishing gear and uh, when as I hear the sound and I take in the scents especially the smell from these wooden boards on the groin uh, so many years of salt have built up in inside here and I can smell the brine and all those things it strikes me the sea is a place of memory evokes so many things from uh, from life and so many experiences and so many sensory experiences but it's also a, a memory in itself and that bit of fishing gear I picked up it's a kind of the waves bring these memories in and deposit them on the shore for us to find and pick through and then also there's a, a much greater primeval memory in the ocean of this is where life on earth emerged from a really uh, compelling and contradictory place because so drawn to the ocean we all are I am and yet it's such a forbidding place today on a grey desolate looking seascape I just wouldn't want to be tossed around on these waves and the sea is coughing back up at us the things that 
the detritus of human life that we've discarded fishing gear that you've just found I, I lived on the shore further up from here at a place called Dunwich an entire medieval port is now beneath the waves as the sea has consumed it but after a great storm I remember finding a 18th century ship's bell and human bones are found regularly as the graveyard is washed into the sea uh, it seems impervious to us and yet we know what we're doing to it is changing the composition of the ocean and its ability to support our lives and many other lives. It's, it's a strange thing, I think, for humans to get their head around, for me to get my head around, that we can impact on this vastness, the 71% of the surface of the globe, let alone the depth. It's, it's hard to imagine we have that impact. And it, you look at it now, it seems not only impervious to us, but it, you can imbue it with a soul, a character, which is positively hostile, at times malign. I know many fishermen here who don't swim, one of whom has been rescued three times as the boat has capsized off the shore here, and, and yet he still goes back out onto the water. And the sea, especially where it meets the land, becomes an opening up point for us as well. And it becomes a place where once we reach the edge of the land and we emerge from the things that, that are vertical, whether that is trees or whether it's buildings, whether it's industrial landscapes or whether it's anything that that goes upwards once you reach the edge here um, all vertical disappears and yep, there is only horizontal and so it becomes this great change in view and this great change in uh, different levels of familiarity so we go from the terrestrial to, to something different and, and water and the sea in all of its physics is a, a whole other medium, a whole new thing for us to take on and try and understand and, and, as, a, a, and as a species a whole, new, a whole new challenge for us to tame or it's been seen as a new challenge for us to tame. And, uh, and as we've tried to cross it and understand it and, and in more recent human history go down beneath its surface and try and understand what is down there and we continue to, and as we've made those discoveries, each, each new thing makes us realise that we, we understand it maybe not a little bit more but we understand it a bit less, there's so much more to be discovered and I think it's that that new vertical, a downward vertical, that for me brings all of brings all of those primal fears back, all of those not wanting to be out there alone, exposed. I find this really strong connection that we know is true physically between the moon and, and the sea. A really powerful one because not only 
are these waves relentlessly drawn by the gravitational power of the moon in a in a rhythm which we believe is unfailing and almost affirming that the world is as it should be with the waves returning and again and again and the tides returning to the shore it's strange to see the the globe through human eyes in that way how different would it be if we were a a sea-dwelling species. How would we view the land? How would this border feel to us as we came up, viewed it? What's it like to be a seal? And look at these talking, walking, singing creatures on the beach. I spoke to some coastal engineers recently. This is the fastest eroding coastline in Europe. And they were describing the efforts in the 1960s and 70s to build concrete fortifications. One of them said to me, we, we tried to defend ourselves against the sea. We gave it a really good go. And now we're in mitigation and retreat, managed withdrawal. And I found that a really profound thought. The power of those waves is relentless. We can't defeat them. They will defeat what we build. I find that affirming somehow. And this may be because, um, and it may be because we're an island nation here in Great Britain. Um, and we're never really that far from the ocean despite the fact that sometimes we think we're a long way but but we really aren't compared to some of the great you think about the interiors of some of the great continents but I was recently on an island in Denmark the island of Homo which was um, from the which in its history was a great base for whalers and uh, and there, they um, are wherever you are on the island. Uh, even if you're not within sight of the ocean or in sight of the coasts of the island, the sea still holds sway in that place. And the the people there seem to want to feel it and touch it all the time, even if they're no longer a whaling community or no longer a community of sailors or fishermen. Um, but they seem to want to almost bring the sea in buckets inland and, and throw it on their own doorsteps and the preponderance of whale bones in people's gardens or the collection of driftwood that might have been found down on the beach and brought back inland or shells or things placed on windowsills a constant need to feel it the beat and as we hear the rhythmic beat of the waves on the shingle and the sand here he almost many humans want to hear that all the time it's the same need to explain away the noise of our own rushing blood when we place our ear to 
a shell, the need to want to tell ourselves it's not our own blood. In our heads we can hear, but it's the sound of the sea captured forever inside the fractal curves of the shells that we, as children and as adults, can't help but bend down and pick up from the seashore. So I read an interesting piece of research recently that said uh, the number one occupation for humans by the sea is to stare at it. It's such a revealing thing. We all do it. The first thing you do is just gaze at the ocean. The number two occupation is to throw a stone. And it, it feels like we're trying to find a way to impact, to have a relationship with the sea and watching that splash, some movement that we make, is the way that people find a way to relate to the ocean. Some people have this really strong affinity with it. They're on it every day. There are people on this coastline that swim, regardless of the weather, every single day. Drawn to it, compelled to come. I find that fascinating. When it's so hostile it's like predators on the land that we don't want to live with but we can't live without i spoke to a danish woman recently and i asked her and we were on the coast looking out over a, a similarly gray and turbulent ocean and I asked her why she came here because she told me that she she came there at least three or four times a week and I asked her why she came and she said it's hard to explain but we do have an expression in Danish and she said it's an expression that means it's a place where the heavens are high and she went on to explain that it was that was meant so much more than just a place where the sky was open but she said it's, it doesn't mean that it means a place where you can think big thoughts where your thoughts and emotions can have free space and as she struggled with the description of what the phrase meant she finished and said the sea is a place where I can open my heart there's a Native American tradition particularly in the Pacific Northwest where the the sea is the repository of wisdom and memories it's where it's where information goes to and comes from and that if you're seeking answers they're to be found in the sea and in some traditions they arise from the sea in human form or animal form and bring that wisdom but I find that really vitalizing that so much of what surrounds us holds that memory the art installation we created on the beach here, the sculptor Roger Hardy, 
provoked such a profound response in people that it caught me by surprise. That people wanted to speak to the ocean, wanted to give to the ocean their memories, their thoughts, their wishes, both about themselves and loved ones around them still or departed, but to the sea itself. Um, so maybe it is storing much that we give in a written form, but also our thoughts. And when people come and sit and gaze at the ocean, if you believe they're putting energy into something, into prayer, into thought, it's being absorbed by the waves. Full fathom five, thy future lies. Bones of bleached coral made, plastic pearls where once were eyes, nothing of you left to fade. Unless we summon a sea change into something fierce and strange, sirens will hourly ring your knell. Can you hear the siren song of the ocean's passing bell? Look out over into incredible oceans, seas like living mirrors, where liquid diamonds quiver with squinting light. Curved horizon of possibility, shore line of fluidity, a healing place of play and repair of sandcastle and salt air, of swim and kiss me quick, of fish and chip, of waves and waves of amniotic bliss. <laughs> 